the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. So that would include Moses and others, went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which is outside the camp, which is kind of interesting. Moses led it, and the others followed it. Why did they go? They were seeking the Lord. Now, if you don't mind, let me use this illustration for a moment. How many of you have uh, misplaced your keys? Have any of you misplaced your keys in the last two or three weeks, and you couldn't find them for a few minutes, and you're okay to raise your hand and just slip it up and say that's happened to you. How many of you misplaced your keys? Okay, that's all right. How many of you then have misplaced your cell phone and you couldn't find it in the last couple of weeks? Did you raise your hand? How many of you have more than one cell phone in your family and when you couldn't find your cell phone, you used someone else's to call your cell phone to hear if it would ring? Would you raise your hand? Oh my goodness, look at all the hands. All right. Now, the illustration still fits, all right? We feel the absence. In other words, I need my keys to get somewhere. It brings something to me that I need. I need my cell phone in case someone calls me. I have to call them. I'm going out of the house. My kids need to get a hold of me. Communication, whatever it might be, it's a need. It's not so much keys to car or cell phone. What it really is is those things help you do life, all right? And so now when I seek the Lord, I'm seeking the Lord because it helps me do life. Now, I don't want to get too far in these applications, but I wonder sometimes if we fret so much about the loss of our keys or the misplacing of a phone that they almost become miniature idols to us. We're fretting, we're so nervous, we're so upset, and we now start taking it out on others. And that really is a thermometer of how little of an intimacy that we have with the Lord. Because now our whole relationship is shot with others because we're not intimate with God. I don't know, just something to think about because our time with the Lord is what really helps us do life. All right, let's look at the third term. Besides just separating ourselves regularly, Moses did that. He sought the Lord. Others sought the Lord because he did it. But also expect to be watched by others. Expect to be watched by others. To help you understand that, let's look at the verse together. It says... So it was, whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle, tent of meeting, that all the people rose, and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. Now, folks, <clears throat> I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb here. But those of you who are now going to say, I need to step up and really have my time with God. 
in order for you to do that, something has got to happen in your life as a decision. Whether you put it on the calendar and you have to say no to something, you have to change something. More cases than not, when you are going to have your meeting with God, other people will know about it. They'll either have to know about it or they'll accidentally know about it. But in more cases than not, other people will be aware of your time with God, especially now if you haven't been having one on a regular basis. Again, the purpose isn't so I can show everybody how spiritual I am. I'm having my quiet time. I am having my alone time with God. I'm not eating. I'm not doing this with you. I'm not doing that. I'm having my alone time with God. If you're doing that, you're no different than a New Testament Pharisee. And boy, did Jesus take them down country. So the purpose of this is I need to be alone with the Lord, but you have to expect people will notice. Now, the first thing that they're going to do when they notice you, because it's a shift in plans, is some of them are going to think, why are they doing that? Is it real? Or, yeah, they did it before, and then they got away from it, and now they're doing it again. You know, they're just still trying to find themselves. Others are going to be a little bit different. Others are going to step back, and they're going to want to find out, are you authentic? Do you mind if I speak to the women for just a moment? Ladies, this one is for you, taking from Scripture. It's found in 1 Peter. It talks about how women should be submissive to their wives, to their husbands rather, wives should be submissive to their husbands. And I'm not going here about abuse and all that. I'm just talking about just normal day-to-day life. We, have, we all submit to some authority, all right? Now, that being the case, it talks about even submitting yourselves to a husband who does not know the Lord. In the actual Greek, it talks about not just a husband who doesn't trust God, It's talking about a husband who doesn't want God, does not want the word of God, essentially hates and denigrates the Christian worldview at all in your life. It goes on to say, you continue to do that because, I'm going to quote the passage, because they will look at you. They will glare at you. In the Greek, it says, they'll put you under a microscope to see if you are a true blue Christian woman if you're really going to respect the Lord. Now, some women shy away from that. I don't really want that. And I would like to say it's the godly women who says, I want my husband to watch me. I want him because I know he's surrounded by a lot of other people that call themselves authentic Christians. But I'm going to show him up close and personal till the day I die, drawing from the Lord his love and his power to do this in submission for the glory of God. And just in my prayers and hopes that my husband might see authenticity and trust Christ. So yes, Moses went into the tent. People watched him go. They're going to watch you. Some of them are going to criticize you. Some of them are going to see you have your loneliness with the Lord, and then they're going to see you fall off your life skateboard, we might say, and they're going to start hitting on you and criticizing you. In fact, may I say this? Expect it. Because Satan wants to bring your reputation down around him. And what you do, Lord, you be with me and bring it on. Because the best way for a person to see an authentic Christian is one who is tested and still victorious. So be expected to look upon. Don't do it to be looked upon, but expect it. And then you go to the Lord and say, if this will help them because of my intimacy with God, praise Him. Let's look at another one, number four. You need to listen to God. And I call learn to listen because sometimes it's hard to do that. It says, and it came to pass when Moses entered the tent, 
that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. Well, we could talk about all the different things that you do in prayer, how that you need to exalt him and how that you need to confess your sin and how you need to pray for the needs of others and pray for yourself and thank him for all of this stuff. But may I say something? That it's important for us to be still, get into the word, know the word, and let God shout to you through God's word. Sometimes it's going to take that for him to shout out all the clutter and the noise that we already hear from the information of others so he can center down and think deeply about God. It's to listen to him. I titled this message FaceTime with the Lord. You saw that. Let me flip it a little bit now. How many of you um, have just got into and finding this kind of intriguing this new um, internet networking you can do with your friends, and one of them is called Facebook. And uh, it's okay to raise your hand. I'm not going to slam you, but h- how many of you are connected in some measure, at least have a Facebook account? Would you raise your hand? Keep them up high, real high. Okay. Those of you that are not, uh, that's not to f- make you feel guilty, etc., anything like that, we're on Facebook. The church is on Facebook. I don't know what condition it is. I don't, I don't mess with that. I'm not techie. All right, I, I, I have my Facebook account. I don't follow everybody who writes to me and I don't read everybody else's account. My attitude, unfortunately, is not very spiritual. When I started reading this and I see all the stuff they put on there, I only have one comment, get a life. You know, but uh, that's, that's how it is. But, but I'm sorry, I'm working on my mercy and kindness. Carol's been working on it for 40 years. And you th- I'm much better than I was 40 years ago, but I got a long way to go. But here's what I would like to say. As good as Facebook is a communicating and you can get a lot of information out quickly to other people, especially uh, some helpful things. But that's what we call Facebook. I would like, when you think of the term Facebook, that we now think in terms of Facebook. I'm not trying to be cute, but if I can help you with a peg, I'd like to give you a peg. And the peg is Facebook. Face time. And men, this is for us. Moses, Facebook. Now, he didn't have a Bible. Yeah, I know he had the tablets, and then he threw them down. He had to redo the tablets, so he had two two big, heavy tablets with Ten Commandments on it. And that's all he had for that at the time that, that we're aware of. Okay, but my point is, that's then, this is now. Now I have 66 books all bound together in leather here of God's mind on paper. And God now chooses to speak to me through the word so I don't have to wonder, did what that guy say really make sense? Let me caution you. My arms are around you in love now. Let me caution you. Be very careful, especially to those that are in some extra prophecy stuff that's going on. Some of them will say, God told me to tell you this. And they will give you a lot of information. I'm not anti-prophecy. There is prophecy in the Bible. I understand that. But you have to be very careful because when you have this prophecy, the only way we know that's prophecy of God is when what that person prophesies is biblical and found in Scripture. One of the most dangerous things is when someone says, God told me to tell you this. Would you like to know what my unkind response in my mind is to a statement like that? Why did he tell you and not me? You know, (laughs) isn't that, I mean, does that logical, you know? And I know you'd say, well, if he had listened, he'd talk to you, but he's not, so he's telling me. I, I don't want to go there. 
I just want to say, this is what the word has to say. And so when Moses went, now look at it, folks. He didn't go there because he said, boy, do I have a nagging wife and I've got to go to my tabernacle now. Or I've got so much going on right here, but I've got to show my kids that I'm dedicated to God. So I'm going to my tabernacle here. He's not saying I'm a Christian leader and Christian leaders got to show everybody how spiritual we are. So we go to our tabernacle over here. He, he didn't do that. I believe in my heart he is saying, i got a bunch of Jews out here that don't know what's going on and I don't know how to lead this thing. My whole life is just all in, in, in chaos right now and I need to know because I want to make sure we're doing this thing right and I'm frustrated and i got an anger problem right here and so i got to go to God and i got to talk to Him right now. So he plopped down in front of the Lord and he listened to God after he pled out his case. And it changed Moses. So he had Facebook with God. Number five... <clears throat> Enter a covenant partnership with the Lord. I really like that term, covenant partnership with the Lord. It doesn't mean that God and me are equals, you know, God is my co-pilot or something. I, I don't, I don't, that's horrible. All right, but go on. It goes and says this. All the people saw the pillar of, uh, pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose and worshiped. By the way, Perhaps maybe that's why we have you stand and sing. And when we pray, we often will stand and pray. And, and at times when we read the word, there's a standing thing. Okay? Each man in his own tent. So the Lord spoke to Moses, and I love this, face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Now, I know enough Bible, and you do too, that nobody can look upon the face of God and live because he's so holy. I believe strongly the implication is here when he's speaking face to face, it's like eyeball to eyeball. Now, I don't put my eyeball up to your eyeball when I'm looking eye to eye with you. But it's kind of like that idea that we now are focused on each other. And again, as a friend. And that's where I get that partnership. Another word might be the communing. How many of you have heard me define prayer as a lot more than asking and receiving? It's that. But prayer is, here's the definition. Building a relationship with him by communicating together. And so whether you do it in verbiage or a heart, what you're wanting is God's mind to be your mind. God's heart to be your heart. God's ways to be your ways. And you have to have a tabernacle of meeting to do that. And men, it wasn't his wife that left. Men they went three times a year to a special location to get alone with God. The men did. And they took their boys with them. So there's an aspect of a masculine thing going on here, of influence. And we're not leaving you ladies out. But our men are really wanting to be a man's man. And we're seeing that this is, this is where it's at. And we apologize for at times allowing you to take far more spiritual emphasis in the home because we haven't. And so here we have this entering of this partnership with the Lord. Some of you are wondering why I have these two chairs up here. I'd like to use this illustration. We're, we are coming to a close here. You have enough information to work on. But I want you to just think about these two chairs. There was a pastor one time that had a lady in his church that said, My daddy is dying. Would you mind going by and visiting with him and praying? And all of us pastors here on this team have had those kind of phone calls. And when we hear them... I'll tell you, we will drop everything to do what we can as this pastor did. And when he showed up, the lady's father was laying in bed. He was so sick, but propped up with pillows. But there was an empty chair there. And so the pastor said, like all of us would say, oh, you were expecting me. And the man said, no, I wasn't. Who are you? 
And then he had to explain who he was. Your daughter sent me to pray with you here and all of this. Well, this, this man was a Christian. So he said, well, what, what is this chair here for? Uh, the pastor was looking at that empty chair. And so the man said this. He said, when I was growing up, I was having some struggles. And my pastor told me that I should be praying and I should be praying. And a lot of stuff I'm telling you. He said, but I couldn't understand all of that. Not until one of my best friends came to me about four years ago. And he says, I know your struggle praying. Maybe this will help you. He says, because Jesus is a person and he's with us everywhere, maybe what would help you is if you put a chair there, an empty chair. I don't get mystical or all, but just an empty chair just to help you focus. And just like you would a friend, share some of your fears, share some of your needs, share some of your blessings, but just talk to Jesus like that. This man that was in bed said, that's what helped me. Well, the pastor wisely said, if that is changing your life and touching you and you're getting closer to the Lord because of that visual, then I want you to know how good that is and I'm glad you're doing it. He prayed and left. About a week later, pastor and the daughter of that man, he said, how how is your daddy doing? Well, I want you to know my daddy passed away. I met him in the morning. He called me over to his bedside. He kissed me on my forehead and I kissed him on his. We said we loved each other and So I went out shopping. I came back about an hour later. My daddy was in bed. But next to his bed, he was laying down with his head on his chair like this. And he died in that position. Now, I didn't make up this story. And the pastor just hung his head and cried. A little bit of intimacy. Well, it's good for you to have a spot. But may I quickly balance it by saying, don't wait to talk to God until you get to your spot. Talk to him every time, but have that closeness. And to certain of you right now, my appeal to you is this. God loves you. He is a real person, particularly in the person of Jesus Christ. He went to the cross to prove to you how much he loved you. When he died on that cross, he'd already taken all your sin and he put it on himself. And he died and he rose again. And in a sense... He's now looking at you and he's saying, I did this for you. This is your gift. You don't have to be good to get it. You don't have to change your life to get it. But would you come to me, FaceTime, in your mind right now? And right now, your tabernacle, your tent of meeting, your spot is not this altar. It's your chair right where you are now. No, you don't have to put your head on it. You don't have to kneel. But for just a moment... Zone out everything and everyone in this room and you look into this invisible but very real face of Jesus and say, Lord, I do believe you are God. You died on the cross for me and rose again. And Lord, I need you to save me. I don't want to go to hell. I need you in my life today. And so, Lord, I'm trusting you as the Lord who died for me. Thank you for letting me be in your forever family. The New Testament talks about when you pray, to don't go to him and say, oh God, but call him father. But in the original language, it says call him daddy. Hudson Taylor, who passionately loved Chinese people, that was the most favorite phrase that he'd refer to God when he prayed, daddy. So you go to him now as your daddy because you were born into his family by faith. The others of us in here, 
Maybe your spot with God when you're alone and you're going to talk to Him. For some of you it might be you're going to focus on the Lord and you're going to say, Lord, I want to thank you for even letting me be in your presence right now. I know better. You've taught me better. And I haven't been the way I should have been to please you. Yes, you're my daddy. But you're also my Lord. You're my boss. You're my CEO. You're my master. You're everything in my life because you're in control of everything I can't. And so for you, Lord, I come to you right now and I confess that sin. And right now, Lord, I want to be what you want me to be. And I know that right now I'm feeling pretty good that I'm doing this. Because you're forgiving me and I'm getting a do-over. And Lord, help me now to have these times with you and I can share the... I'm afraid I've got to go to the doctor. I'm afraid about my job. I'm afraid about my son. I'm afraid about my daughter. I'm afraid about my husband. I'm afraid about my wife. I don't know how I'm going to be able to make it in this economy. But God, show me. What, what do you want me to do? And then, listen quietly. And then God, through his word, as you begin to read it, no preacher can help you with this. There's a supernatural thing that goes on when God the Spirit takes God's word and takes it to a child of God. And he'll do that for you. Later on, it says, that when he went up to another mountain, this is after he left the tabernacle, he went up to another mountain. And when he went up to that mountain, and he came back down because of his intimacy with the Lord. Listen now, listen. His face so shined that the people around him had to put a veil around him to be able to come near Moses. Now, I don't ever expect that I'll ever come here before you that I will so shine that you'll have to put a veil on me. But I do pray that when you see me here or at the mall or at the beach, that my life would be so different because of my time with the Lord. I expect it to be. And you can too with your walk with God. And people will see it for his glory. Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, again, you're going to hear the drone of the air conditioning. And you're going to hear a little traffic. But right now, focus essentially on the face of God. Can you say to the Lord, Lord, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And right now, I'm coming to you in this room And I'm trusting you as the one who died and rose again. I come to you not based on my good deeds, not based on my faith and good deeds, but just as I am. And Jesus says, he that believes on me right now has everlasting life. If you're doing that, I'd like to pray for you, my friend. And so in a moment, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. Now, raising your hand won't save you. Me praying for you certainly won't save you. Essentially, even a prayer to God doesn't save you. But there is something where you are connecting to God where that it's going more from just knowledge to something of complete reliance on Him, on Christ. And when you're doing that, that's faith. Is there anyone in here today that would say to the Lord, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm trusted in Christ. And now silently, without anyone looking around, let me know that you're trusting Christ by slipping up your hand in a moment when I ask you. When you raise your hand, I'll simply say, thank you, God bless you. I will not come to you. I will not bother you. I will not have you stand up. You will not come forward. I will not have anybody look at you. It's private. You, God, and me will be the only ones who know. But I would like to be your earthly friend for a moment in prayer. I won't describe you in my prayer or mention your name in my prayer. But I would like to close with you in my prayer. 
Is there anyone here today that today you're accepting Christ as your Savior by faith alone and you'd like for me to pray for you? Would you slip up your hand? Is there anyone at all? Okay, Christians. I'm not going to have you raise your hand, but I'm going to ask you right now between you and the Lord. For Moses to go to his tent of meeting, I'm sure he had to get some things done in his schedule. He had to get some stuff ahead of time done and knew he'd leave some things undone. But there was a purpose in his heart. He, he made a decision to go do that. Would you right now, before you leave here, ask God to help you the purpose to go do that and to make it a regular habit in your life? Sometimes that aloneness with the Lord will determine your intimacy with Him. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank You that You love us. You've always loved us in our failures and you proved it when Jesus died and rose again and you would still take us in your forever family when we come to you by faith. And Lord, we as a group confess that we have not had our alone time with you, we have not had face time with you as much as we should and want to and we are making the difference. We're going to cho choose to do that. We have not had our face book time with you and we're going to do that too. And so, Lord, help us to decide what are some of the very good things we're doing that we have to stop doing so we have now time to do the great things you'd have us to do. Help us, Father, as a church, as the world will look upon this assembly here in Nu'uanu, on Oahu, in Hawaii, and in this part of the world. Father, I thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Joe Pons, and I want to thank you for listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Clarity Christian College. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It's the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. That's makeitclear.org. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please email us at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. That's tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.